0: Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, September 15th, 2023. I'm here with a sick and frustrated Mr. Luke <laughs> Morozic, But nonetheless, we've got a fantastic episode ahead of us. And um, before we even like start talking about it, let's fucking go. Atlanta Braves clinched the NL East for the sixth season in a row. These boys right here, right there, and right here. The A is thriving right now let me tell you and uh I'll, I'll talk plenty more about it when we get to the mlb but um i just want to congratulate my boys making me so proud in philadelphia too oh yeah Damn. and the philly the fucking <laughs> philly put it up on the scoreboard congr- congratulating us <laughs> yeah oh tough then again beta, they're, beta. Num- they're like number one in the wild card so by, by a lot too right oh yeah uh, actually i think the cubs kind of pulled it back a little bit now that we took three out of four on the phillies but Okay. All of that is a conversation for later, because we're gonna start it off on the uh, Jesus, an NFL weekend preview, uh, and yes. then we'll hit the MLB recap, talk about the playoff picture a little bit, then we'll get into the Premier League because it's all back this weekend after the international break, and then the Champions League group stages match week uh match week one starts up next week. Uh, I believe it's Tuesday and Wednesday. Could be Wednesday and Thursday. I can't remember, but um. We'll round it out with questions time and then we'll be out of here and everybody can enjoy their weekend.
1: Heck yeah, let's get into it, man.
0: All right, let's start in the NFL. Our first traditional NFL weekend preview. If you've missed these, yes. we pick a couple of games every week and we just talk about the matchup, talk about who we think's going to win and um, give you all the insight that we have into what's going on in these games. So, We decided Ravens-Bengals is probably a good one to talk about. I'm I'm sure you have a hate-fueled discussion to have against both of these teams, most likely. But the Ravens uh, versus the Bengals, it's in Cincinnati. Bengals, a a 3.5-point favorite. The over-under is 46. I'm going to let you get it started, but um, this is going to be an interesting one.
1: Um. I I honestly think the Bengals could not have been set up worse. Um, Maybe if they played better against the Browns, I would be a little bit more confident in the Bengals' ability, but back-to-back AFC North games, and especially with taking how you looked week one against the Browns, it's it's looking tough for them week two.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, this is a get-right game for Joe Burrow and the Bengals in general. Like, last week, something was certainly missing with this offensive game plan, and part of that due to the weather, but... Burrow just wouldn't throw over the middle. Uh, I looked at the charts on the NFL next-gen stats, and when it comes down to it, he has to throw over the middle. This whole game was clogged with passes to the sidelines. Chase and Higgins lined up on the outside. T. Higgins caught zero passes. And Jamar Chase had one of the worst games of his career. And I don't know why you're forcing the ball to the outside when you have two very good coverage corners on the other side and Denzel Ward and Greg Newsome. And when we look back to Burrow last year, some of his best performances was when he completed a majority of his passes over the middle. I I think this is something that people don't think about is, is a QB spray chart and how that affects how they play the game. But last year, Week 13, one of the best examples I could find. He passed... Uh, So when he was throwing past five yards, so past a five-yard completion, he was nine for 11 passing when throwing over the middle. When he was throwing past five yards to the sidelines, he was four for seven. That was against the Kansas City Chiefs, your eventual Super Bowl winners. Like, Burrow had a fantastic week that week against a team that obviously they've beaten plenty of times in the past, but ended up facing in the playoffs, didn't go right. But you look at last week, He passed, uh, so when he throws past five yards over the middle, he was two for three. He attempted three passes to what I would consider the middle of the field. And and when he was throwing past five yards to the sidelines, he was four for 15. That's just not going to get it done. Like, throwing to the sideline against good defensive backs in the rain is so limiting to your very talented wide receivers, and they've got to clean that up this week.
1: Yeah, Um. You know what, though? I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, though. I don't really think Cincinnati is getting enough credit defensively of how well they played against Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun Watson went uh, 16 for 29, 154 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Of course, the Browns did rush for like 206 yards, which is absolutely absurd. Most notable, Deshaun Watson had 45 and a touchdown. Chubb had 106 on 18 attempts. So, I mean, Cincinnati's defense did not look too bad. It was just like nothing offensively. And I mean, Burrow had a really bizarre game too. I kind of want to highlight his stats as well. He went 14 of 31, 82 yards and only got sacked twice. Didn't throw a pick and didn't throw a touchdown, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah. You're, you're almost like, where, where did the mistakes even come from? And I think you kind of highlighted it there. He wasn't really throwing to his spot on the field and uh man, it hurt him. They looked terrible.
0: Yeah. They, they looked brutal. Uh, but, I will say the Ravens, you know, their defense looked pretty good last week against a young Texans, uh, a young Texans team that has some firepower on both sides of the ball. You have good young players, but you have a decent veteran presence there, especially on the offense. Like you have Laramie Tunsil and, and Dalton Schultz there. Um and, and then you throw in some guys that have been around the league a little bit, guys like Nico Collins, who was in his first couple of years, but then uh, a, a true rookie quarterback making his first start in CJ Stroud and yes he struggled but he didn't have a bad game by any means and uh, that kind of surprises me but the Ravens still played a good game but uh, the offense was kind of weird and I, I think a lot of people were questioning why it seemed like Lamar couldn't get it going why some things just didn't seem successful And I think it's just that they have a very new look offense. They have a new offensive coordinator. They have like a brand new wide receiver core with Odell and Zay Flowers. But Lamar like just didn't seem right. Like he wasn't inaccurate. 17 for 22 isn't bad at all. I I think what was missing was Lamar's legs. Only six carries for 38 yards. Now, J.K. Dobbins is going to be out this coming week and for the rest of the season. I'm just questioning, like, what happens to this offense if Lamar's not looking to run as much?
1: That's a great point, but I wanted to highlight something, and I'm, once again, it uh, pains me to come to the aid of these fucking teams, man, but they didn't have Mark Andrews, and I think that may be a big reason of why Lamar's uh, yardage was so you know short. or He only passed for like 169 yards, sacked four times, didn't throw a touchdown, and like you said, his legs were also kind of not really there as well. Um, But how about Zay Flowers? What a debut. Nine receptions, 78 yards. He looked absolutely incredible. He blew my expectations out of the water, and he (laughs) looks much better than OBJ.
0: Yeah. Like, I I heard people on TV (laughs) trying to compliment Odell Beckham, being like, yeah, he drew a, a pass interference. It's like, come on. Just just be okay saying that he didn't have a good game. He's not a premier wide receiver in the NFL. And that Zay Flowers is going to be wide receiver one, like bonafide on this lineup come like week four.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: 100%. Anything else you want to touch kind of on this matchup?
1: Altimore kind of made Damian Pierce look sorry.
0: Yeah. that game, really the whole run game in general. They did a great job. Run defense wise, and I I think people just kind of forget how good of players are on this Ravens defense. Like I think we all respect their defense; we know it's very good. But like when you really look at this team and like what like kind of firepower they have on the defense, like it, it kind of surprised me even when I looked at it. Like you have guys like the young Kyle Hamilton at strong safety. You have Marlon Humphrey. Uh, and, and Rakia who is a pretty solid, kind of like surprise corner. And then you have David Ajabo, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, and uh, Adafe Owe in the linebacker core, and they are all very good. Uh, I, I don't get what some people have missed with this defense, but it's genuinely a top-tier defense, and that's why I think the Texans really couldn't get anything going last week.
1: Yeah, and two guys you didn't mention. Marcus Williams is back there at free safety with Kyle Hamilton, which is just an unfair safety pairing. On top of that, they added Jadevian Clowney in the free agency. Yeah, Whether you think he's washed or not, that's a guy I would like to have on my team.
0: Oh, 100%.
1: So uh, Baltimore's defense is still scary. Once Mark Andrews comes back, they're going to be a playoff team 100%.
0: Oh, yeah, 100% they will. Um, But when it comes down to this matchup like how do the ravens play against the bengals i i kind of see it similar to the browns like the browns defense plays pretty physical though maybe the ravens don't have as strong of a pass rush but i think the conditions will kind of be a little bit better in both teams favors but i i think for me it, it just seems like the bengals should bounce back like it seems like that is what's going to happen and that's what should happen here
1: I I don't know. maybe it's just cause I'm not a fan of Pretty Boy Burrow. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Baltimore again in this one. I'm not saying that Cincinnati can't bounce back. I just think they're they're coming up against a team that isn't gonna care whether they're ready to play or not. Yeah. It, simple as that. The Ravens are gonna show up no matter what. Um I'm gonna take a low scoring game though, but Baltimore's gonna have it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Bengals, but I'm gonna go like probably Probably something close, probably like a, a 27-24 type win.
1: I'm going to go 17-10 Ravens.
0: All right. Well, let's talk this one. Chiefs-Jags, uh, a matchup we saw last year in the playoffs that they played super close. But for both of these teams, it seems like quite a few things have changed. The Chiefs, the offensive line has definitely changed. They pulled uh, an offensive lineman straight from the Jags in the offseason. Kelsey is not a hundred percent. I still don't even know if he's gonna play. Um, you know, we will have Chris Jones this week, but when you look at last week, missing Kelsey and Chris Jones was deadly to that team. Like it absolutely killed them. Jones is back. Kelsey's a possibility, but that doesn't fill the holes between the hands of their wide receivers. Uh, th- Not at all. A thirteen and a half percent, or uh, yeah, a thirteen point five percent drop percentage last week. Last season, all all year, they had a four point five percent drop percentage as a wide receiver core. And thank
1: you, Kadarius Tony.
0: Yeah, and Sky Moore <laughs> dropping all three of his targets. But look, if Kelsey's in, that cuts down the drops. The offense will be fine. The defense, yeah. even with Chris Jones. Might still be in trouble because the Jags offense is crazy good. Calvin Ridley is a straight up number oh one God. wide receiver in this league. He was insane last week. Eight receptions, 101, one touchdown, and I don't even think they had to throw to him in the second half.
1: No, not at all. Because you got guys like uh Zay Jones and Ingram that yeah. are there to pick up whatever he can't do. Yeah. It, it's they're very underrated. Very underrated and very scary.
0: Yeah, and Trevor was great as well. 24 for 32, two touchdowns, one interception. Could have used a little bit of help on the offensive line, but it was still pretty good. Um, And then their defense was pretty good. Like, it wasn't great against the Colts. They, Anthony Richardson had a pretty good game against this Jags defense, and I think that's going to be a trend. I, I don't think this Jags defense is – quite at that level to make them a strong contender, at least at the moment, at least what we saw in week one. I don't like what I saw, but, you know, of course they have a quarterback and and like they get to the quarterback because that offensive line kind of sucks, you know, outside of Quentin Nelson and they had a rookie quarterback that likes to move. So it's going to be kind of hard. Obviously they're still going to get to him, but I think things changed this week. The The Chiefs is kind of a whole nother monster because if you couldn't shut down Richardson, what tells you they can shut down Mahomes?
1: And I, I exactly have that in my notes as well. I, I feel like maybe, maybe I was a little bit too harsh on Anthony Richardson come draft time. He blew my expectations out of the water, just like Zay Flowers did. Um, I think, you know, with the way the Jags played Anthony Richardson, it's setting up a massive game for Mahomes.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Yep. Um, Another thing I wanted to highlight, though, going back to the Chiefs' offense, is their run game may have been, like, one of the worst run games in all of week one, in my opinion. Yeah. Mahomes was their leading rusher with six carries and 45 yards. There was only 14 carries between their two running backs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Pacheco, Only 45 yards and 14 carries between those two guys. They only tied Mahomes, who had six carries. That is horrible. Absolutely horrible. And I think that's where they're really going to struggle. And, you know, even with what we said about the Jags defense and how they kind of let Anthony Richardson do whatever they want, Mahomes might be set up for a big game, but he still may not have Kelsey. So it's there's a lot of gray area, I feel like, with this game still with the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And... I think that contributes to why the line is set at Chiefs minus three. Typically, the Chiefs are going to be more than a three-point favorite over a majority of teams. This is kind of a worse Chiefs team than we saw last year and a much better Jags team than we saw last year, at least on the offensive side. That pushes that line closer. Over-under is 51, so so they don't think the defenses are going to be a big part of this game because, you know, with 51, <laughs> you're looking at like a 28-23 like a type game. And, and I definitely see that happening. I see that being a, a likely score. So I'm going to go 23-24, or sorry, 28-24, and I'm going to take the Chiefs.
1: I like that, but... You know what? I think I'm going to go again with the upset. I think the Chiefs are going to be 0-2 after week two because the Jacksonville Jaguars offensively, if they play it right, they can easily keep the Chiefs offense off the field for a very long time. Like we already said, Calvin Ridley plus Zay Jones and Evan Ingram to kind of help out you know, the load with uh, Calvin Ridley, of course. And then Travis Etienne, who only had 18 carries last week but still had 97 yards and a touchdown plus five receptions, 27 yards. If Jacksonville uses their weapons correctly and keeps the Chiefs' offense off the field, the, the Chiefs could have a long night.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and just put out uh, – I, I, I'm taking a provisional on this. If Kelsey's in, my score stands. If Kelsey's not playing, uh, you give me the Jags 31-17. Wow. <laughs>
1: Um, let's see. I need a score now. I'm going to go Jags 31, Chiefs 28.
0: Okay. All right. Well, let's go over to California then Rams 49ers. This one's at the Rams 49ers, an eight point favorite in this one over under set at 44 and a half. And, uh, I'm going to take you, I'm going to let you take the lead because the 49ers shut down your Steelers last week.
1: I don't want to talk about the 49ers.
0: <laughs> Are you striking
1: i'm striking um they're probably the best team in the NFC after yeah. week 1 yeah 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 they beat the steelers however you feel about the steelers i don't care they absolutely steamrolled my team um i would have liked to have seen the 49ers pass the ball more yeah. honestly um hittle and McCaffrey only had three receptions debo had five brandon ayuk was jerry rice i i mean that was ridiculous yeah. crazy but you know, in saying that, though, maybe you don't have to pass that much if Christian McCaffrey has that good of a game and your defense is that good. So maybe it's fine. But I would just like to see, you know, your best players get more involved, I guess. Um, defensively, you had five sacks and two interceptions. Fred Warner was absolutely ridiculous. And Jake Moody, the second-round kicker out of Michigan, looked really good as well. Definitely. So the 49ers all around look like probably the best team in the NFL right
0: Yeah. Now. You know, who would have no. guessed the 49ers defense is great? Right. <laughs> <laughs> all they did was improve. Yes, they lost Jimmy Ward. They add Javon Hargrave on the defensive line, they add Clo and Farrell on the defensive line. These guys are crazy. And they were all over the Steelers and especially Kitty Pickett last week. Advanced stats yep. time, average separation from quarterback. It's all, it's back. I love this stat so much. The <laughs> league average in the NFL is a 4.57 yards of average uh, separation from the quarterback at the time of the pass or sack. Nick Bosa had the worst on the 49ers with a
1: 4.03. That's because they had Darnell on him.
0: Yeah, and that was, that's .5 yards. That's half a yard better than league average. Eric Armstead, a 3.98. Javon Hargrave, a 3.78. And Clell and Farrell, on the blind side, a 3.74.
1: Yeah, so as a Steelers fan, that's exactly what you want from your offensive line. That's how you win football games. Not how you win football games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, and they straight up scared the Steelers away from running the ball. <laughs> Literally. In what world does Najee Harris have six carries and Jalen Warren has three? It's it's crazy. and yeah, I don't know. The problem with the 49ers is that it's not just the defense. The offense was so good, like you pointed out. Like, Purdy, maybe he didn't throw the ball a lot. That looked like a textbook Brock Purdy performance. Two touchdowns, oh, yeah. zero interceptions, like just above 200 yards. That's his game every week. The McCaff, epitome
1: of doing exactly what you need to do. Yes. Nothing elite. Just what you need to yeah. do to win. That's the, Brock Purdy. <laughs> he is the
0: best system quarterback there is. Yes. Uh, but McCaffrey, insane as usual. 22 carries, 152, one touchdown. Iuke, unstoppable, 8 for 8 on targets, 129, two touchdowns. But I got to give it to the Rams because they really surprised me. They, they were oh, yeah. levels ahead of what I thought they would be going into last week. And the the Seahawks are a good team. The team they played was a good team with good players all over the field on both sides of the ball. The Rams absolutely bitched the Seahawks in that second <laughs> half. Like, it is hard for me to even try and root against a Rams team that was almost perfect on offense without Cooper Cup. You had Puka get, like, 119 yards. Tutu Atwell had 119 yards as, well, like, the same Who are these people? Out of nowhere. (laughs) Straight up out of nowhere. Like, how is this offense good without Cooper Cup? I couldn't tell you. But the offensive line looked fantastic. Aaron Donald had Geno Smith yelling, oh, my God, as he ran at him.
1: I forgot about that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it was (laughs) ridiculous what the Rams did to a high-powered Seahawks team on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, and Matthew Stafford, what a comeback game. Yeah. Uh, 24 for 38, 344 yards. He didn't have a touchdown. He didn't have a pick. I mean, that's that's still a really good game for Matthew Stafford. The Rams really couldn't run the ball at all, though. 40 attempts between all their backs, uh, only 92 yards. They averaged like 2.3 a carry, which is pretty bad. But when you have Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua out there who were just, like – it, literally, it makes me giggle. Who are these people? Yeah. Who, who are these people accounting for 240 yards? <laughs>
0: Insane. Doesn't matter. Sean McVay Insane. knows what's up. But he does. the problem is, is that the 49ers are world beaters. This defense will eat them alive. I, I don't care what they looked like last week. This defense is crazy. And the offense is just going to put up somewhere from 24 to 38 points every week.
1: It'll be interesting though. I of course I'm not expecting much, but it will be interesting to see how a veteran quarterback Matthew Stafford can handle the defense.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know, you know, a veteran or not, it's hard to do anything against them.
1: Very true. Um very, very true. So,
0: yeah, I'm I'm looking at like uh like 49ers 28, Rams 20. 20. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I'm going to go like 24-7,
0: 49ers. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. All right. Well, let's yep. look at the other matchups for the rest of this week and um, just kind of give a give a few thoughts. So right now we have Eagles-Vikings going on as we're recording. Beginning of the fourth quarter, Eagles up 27-14. Um, I haven't gotten a, a chance to watch a lot of this game, but it seems like the Eagles just, cannot establish the passing game, at least in the first quarter, or the first half, they really couldn't. Jalen Hurts only at 21 attempts going into the fourth quarter. He's got 181 yards, one touchdown, one interception. DeAndre Swift is having an absolute fucking game. It is crazy. 18 carries, 107 yards for the guy who I'm pretty sure had, like, three carries last week. Yeah. Like, yeah. how? <laughs> yeah, He's sorry. doing this he all on my bench. Carry. Now. He had one yeah. carry last week. That's
1: why I didn't start him in fantasy. Yeah. Now I just get to watch. Yeah. I just get to watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we also get to watch Devontae Smith. Four receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, and uh, Jalen Hurts
1: uh, already has two rushing touchdowns.
0: Yeah, like they've been getting it done on the ground very well this offensive line looks fantastic it just seemed like the passing game wasn't working in the first half but obviously something's working for Devonte smith and hurts um i will say aj brown has been ineffective to say the least three receptions 17 yards on five targets
1: also on my fantasy team except i actually started that guy yeah. um but, but aside from the point, because I don't want to keep talking about that, how about Jordan Addison again? Another touchdown back-to-back yeah. weeks. He has three receptions, 72 yards right now, and Justin Jefferson's doing his thing like usual, seven yeah. receptions, 70 yards. So.
0: Honestly, what kind of sucks, though, is that <laughs> the biggest blunder of this game, at least thus far, is Justin Jefferson fumbling the ball at the, uh, right there at the end zone, running up, trying to reach it out. Ball just gets barely poked. And he loses control, fumbles it inside the pylon. That's a turnover and a touchback for the Eagles. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal, brutal. But let's look ahead to the weekend. Uh, We'll start off here. Packers-Falcons. I I love this matchup. Absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, Yeah, I I really don't have anything else to say except for the Packers made me eat. All of my words from last week's <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, I feel very
0: <laughs> good about that.
1: Yeah, that that was all you and not me, is what that was. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, Green Bay's offense looked a lot better than Carolina's. I don't know how Atlanta's going to be able to fare with that. But then again, Atlanta has the offense to get into a shootout, I think. Yeah. Inus Desmond Ritter, they, they definitely can keep up in the run game. Bijan's touchdown was absolutely ridiculous. He made... Three of those defenders look like Play-Doh. Yeah, um,
0: and Tyler um, Algier looked fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I guess they've just kind of forgotten about Cordell Patterson. I think Not- he
0: was out last week. Really? Yeah, he's back, though, this week. I know that.
1: I can't wait to see how they use him yeah. at the Joker spot.
0: Yes, love that. Yeah. love that so much. Uh, but next one to talk about, Raiders Bills. Um, look, the Raiders got lucky. They played the Broncos week one. Uh the bills I don't know what the fuck happened that was just a an insane game to just start off the season for both teams <laughs> The Jets lose their future Hall of Fame quarterback for the season, and then Zach Wilson somehow keeps them in this game, but really Josh Allen kept the Jets in this game, one of the worst performances of the last you know two three years of his like top tier play and just kind of left us all like wondering what happened. But yeah, just uh, yep. an interesting one, but I, I still have the Bills here.
1: I do too. Um they're they're gonna have to figure things out with how week one went, you know. Like it wasn't like they just kinda lost, it was like you guys literally kept them in the game, like yeah. you said. Um, so they're gonna have to really bounce back against the Raiders.
0: Definitely. Um, and then Seahawks Lions <laughs> I feel like with how we saw the Rams shut down the Seahawks, you know, this this Detroit defense isn't quite as good as that, as that Rams defense, but I like their offense a lot. And the way they looked last week, the way that I think they'll progressively put Jameer Gibbs into this team a little bit more week by week, just gives me so much hope. And like the way David Montgomery played last week, fantastic. Yeah. And, um, of course, Amon Dude, Ra is, is Amon Ra.
1: Of course. Um, yeah, to your point, um, I actually watched the highlights as soon as we were done recording um, last episode of uh, the Thursday night game. <clears throat> Amir Gibbs, man, every time he got the ball, I was like holding my breath. Yeah. I did not I did not think this kid was him. And I'm going to be honest, I, I know you probably have a bias here. Amir Gibbs looks a hell of a lot better than Bijan Robinson. Week one.
0: Uh, In the running game, yes.
1: Yeah, Bijan was a good receiver, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think but, that's what he'll continue to be good at, just because we have Tyler Algier, who is just bona fide, hand him the ball, he's going to do something with it. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of the 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 differences there. But no, I, I agree. Jameer Gibbs looked great. We just didn't get a huge sample size. It didn't seem like he was on the field all that much.
1: Yeah, um, and I I think I read something that Dan Campbell um, wants to slowly integrate him. But after what we saw in week one, I mean, he definitely needs to take a lot of the load off of David Montgomery, but not all of it, because David Montgomery, to your point, looked phenomenal as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, he looked great. And, of course, Jared Goff just doing his thing, 250 and a touchdown. Solid. But, you know, for the Seahawks, it's just about kind of figuring out (sighs) your targets. Like, who is Geno throwing to? Is he throwing to JSN? Is he throwing to DK? Is he throwing to Tyler Lockett? Like, he has so many options, but can he figure out which one's the best one on a given play?
1: Yeah, and it looked like um, against the Rams, he just kind of, you know, didn't really have a target, kind of like with what you said. Um, I would like to see JSN get more involved, but I think DK finished with, like, three or four receptions. He definitely needs more, you know, more love than that.
0: Yeah. For sure. And i I'd like to see the Seahawks establish the run. Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet combined for only 15 carries and 75 yards between the two of them. I I need to see Kenneth Walker used a lot more. And if not, you got to give the ball to Zach as well.
1: Yep, 100%.
0: But let's move on. Uh, Our next matchup here is... Sorry, I lost the page. What the fuck just happened? (laughs) Jesus. There we go. Chargers-Titans. The Vikings and Eagles are delayed right now. What the hell? What is going on? Oh, shit. Is there an injury? I really hope not. Well, this is going to be our live reaction. Um, Oh. Checking Twitter right now.
1: Just looking it up on Google.
0: Uh, are you sure they're not? Delayed?
1: That's what it says on um. If you look up NFL games on Google, it has theirs delayed. Like it's not even showing what time uh in the game they are.
0: I don't know. I, I, like on the ESPN app, it's or on the ESPN website, it seems fine.
1: Oh yeah, now it's showing that they're not delayed. Okay. Never mind. That was Weird. bizarre.
0: <laughs> kind of scared me a little bit. I thought, thought somebody got hurt. I'm gonna take a picture of it
1: I'm and prove it to you. <laughs>
0: All right. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for the NFL here. Um, any other things that you're kind of uh, looking towards um, this coming yes. week in the NFL? We,
1: I have, we have got to talk about Aaron Rodgers and yeah. how fucked up. This situation is. I you and I, I know, are both a we're both Aaron Rodgers fans, and I could have not been more sad yes. of how that Agreed. ended up for him. Agreed. I mean, that watching him lead out the team with you know the flag, oh the American God. flag on September eleventh, dude. I thought it was go time. Yeah. He doesn't even get to throw a pass in his one. season's one pass. Oh, he threw one. Okay. Yep. And it's just like, you have got to be kidding me. Like as a football fan. That fucking sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it does. And, and like like you said, we're both Aaron Rodgers fans. We're admittedly Aaron Rodgers fans. And yes. yeah, it, it fucking sucks. And like, in a way, I'm happy for Zach Wilson. Give him a shot. Yep. Because, you know, Rodgers, you know, though he's not going to play, he seems to have played a big role in helping develop Zach Wilson. And so is Nathaniel Hackett. So... You know, I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. I'd rather it not be the case. But yeah, it, it, doesn't, I, it doesn't leave me like, oh, the Jets season's over. It leaves me kind of excited to see what's to come.
1: I'm, you know, 100% in your boat there. Um, I think after watching Hard Knocks, you can tell that, you know, just being around Aaron Rodgers has completely shattered Zach Wilson's ego. Yeah. I, I, I see, you know, watching Hard Knocks a lot more – humble Zach Wilson and I think that that, honestly that mental switch could be the difference in him because we knew you know he had the talent at BYU and we've seen flashes in the NFL I I think the time could be now
0: yeah I'd love for it to be um the problem is is if the time is now what does that mean for Rodgers when he comes back? Because Rogers wants to come back. I, I firmly believe it. Some people say he's 40 years old, coming off of an Achilles injury, he's not going to keep playing. The guy wants to play. He wouldn't have signed this contract if he didn't want to play. No matter what this is, no matter what happens with this, he wants to play. Randall Cobb, on the other hand, they should just let him quit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he's done.
0: <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Like... I feel so bad for Rand. I f- I, I almost feel as bad for Randall Cobb as I do for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, because Randall Cobb because, came to play with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yep. So, you know, maybe they could figure some out. <laughs> yeah, but the
1: the Jets they, they have a tough game this week. They have the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, that's gonna be a a game that'll tell a lot about both these teams. I think
0: definitely. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I'm, I'm realizing you kind of threw me off with the uh, with the delay thing that we just didn't keep going <laughs> through the games. Um, so we're gonna kind of just run through them quickly. So Chargers Titans. Uh, I feel like the Chargers just absolutely dominate this one.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I, I read somewhere though that they didn't. Derrick Henry get less carries than the guy, the
0: second string running back. I don't know. Uh I'm going to pull that up right right now, but um if you did, I just want to show use, no everybody yeah, Derrick Henry had fifteen carries for sixty three yards. That is okay. so weird.
1: Yeah. That's bizarre. <laughs> I've <laughs> never seen that in an NFL game before.
0: Yeah, that is wild. Uh <laughs> um, oh man. No, you're wrong. Derrick Henry uh had fifteen carries for sixty three yards.
1: Okay. I, I think I read somewhere or I saw a take that they might be trying to phase him out. We'll see. I don't know, but yeah, the Chargers are gonna just absolutely steamroll the Titans. No questions.
0: All right, Bears Buccaneers. These are you know the Buccaneers kind of overperformed last week. The Bears pretty pretty well underperformed last week against the against the Packers. Yeah, what's your take on this? I, I think the Buccaneers defense is just too good for the Bears.
1: I literally was about to say the same thing. I could totally see the Buccaneers defense way more than the Packers defense, absolutely exposing the Bears offense.
0: Yeah agreed um so we're both going buccaneers uh colts texans oh two rookie quarterbacks yeah that's gonna be a good game
1: um i i think anthony richard cj stroud had a better game as far as like no mistakes yeah but anthony richardson was more effective in putting points on the board for his team i'm gonna take the colts
0: okay yeah I, i think i'm gonna go with the texans i just really like their defense yeah, they got a fun defense over there. And then uh, Giants-Cardinals, uh, I think, you know, the Cardinals are trying to lose. Um, Giants Probably. really need to win. <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to go Giants.
1: That Giants offense was so bizarre. I, I could yeah. not believe – like, when I heard that the – the not the Falcons. When I heard the Cowboys scored 40, I was like, oh, so the Giants scored like 35, right? Nope. Oh. I completely goose-egged. Um, yeah. So – yeah, I'm going to take the Giants just because they're a thousand times better than the Cardinals, but the Giants have a lot of, a, a lot of thinking to do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to just like shit on the Cardinals. Their defense looked much better than I anticipated last week.
1: Yeah, against the Commanders team that, yeah. you know, granted has weapons offensively. So Yeah,
0: definitely. Um, yeah. All right, Jets-Cowboys, we already kind of talked about, but when it comes down to it, that Cowboys team looked so good. And I and I know people are trying to shit on the Giants and and diminish this win for the Cowboys, but th- no, that was for real. That that was a real fucking effort by the Cowboys. The offense looked great, no mistakes. How crazy is that? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I know.
1: Um, the new First Take crew, or no, is it the new Undisputed? Who, where where is um Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless now?
0: Okay, well, Skip Bayless has his own show. Shannon Sharp is on First Take now with Stephen A. Smith.
1: With Stephen A. Okay, so Shannon Sharp and Stephen A were talking about this game, I think it was, and both of them highlighted something that I completely missed with them you know, putting up 40. Ack was still kind of like not really that effective. I think he only had like 140 or like 150 yards, and one of his completions was like a 49-yarder to C.D. Lamb. They're going to be able to need to throw against the Jets. Yeah. And I think that could be probably a big difference maker for them.
0: Yeah, like I I definitely think... That last week was a bit of uh, an extreme, for, for like what I said about the balance between running and throwing the ball, because like the Cowboys didn't really need to do anything on offense. Like they had two defensive touchdowns, and, yeah. and the Giants weren't doing shit. So, Tony Pollard getting fourteen carries and them running the ball thirty times, and Dak Prescott throwing the ball twenty five times. It's probably more going to look like a, a 30-30 split. Yeah. 30 pass attempts for Dak, maybe a little more. 30 rushing attempts, maybe a little less. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. That Jets defense, great. So good. Oh, phenomenal. And I, I think that's a a huge part of why they stayed in that game with the with the Bills and a huge part of why – I think they're going to keep this a whole lot closer than you think.
1: Big time. Are you taking the Jets or the Cowboys,
0: though? I'm taking the Cowboys. I think they edge them out just because of the offensive inconsistencies of Zach Wilson. Yeah,
1: and with that defense, it could be even more rough. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go the Cowboys, too. Micah Parsons is going to beat Zach Wilson.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, all right, Commanders Broncos. This one's interesting. I think these are two teams with pretty solid defenses, kind of in different spots. Um, and then also some decent offensive play from both sides, but definitely not exceptional. I, I'm gonna go Commanders, I think in this one. I think I am too. I love their defensive line.
1: Yeah, they're they're the kind of defensive line that could make Russ look silly if yeah. they wanted to, which they probably do. I think everybody does. Oh yeah. Um but, you know, Russ didn't really look that bad, though. 27 for 34, 177 yards, two touchdowns against. Uh, who do they play? I am so, the so sorry. Raiders, that's right. So, you know, a pretty average kind of like system quarterback game, I guess. Not really throwing the ball too deep, but the commanders are going to be able to get to him, though.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, nope. And then Sunday night football, Dolphins-Patriots. I think this is a lock for the Dolphins, but the Patriots won't be just like absolutely shut down in this game.
1: No, I thought they were going to be shut down by the Eagles, but they actually kept yeah. it pretty damn close. But um, I, I don't know. The Dolphins just – against the Chargers, they looked ridiculous, man. Yeah. I mean, like you Ty- – Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is like D-Wade and LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> basically, and then, it's and it, it, it's ridiculous. Uh,
0: well, it's really it's 2 and Tyreek Hill, is, is D Wade and LeBron, and then you got Chris Bosh over there with with uh, Jalen.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to disrespect him like that, but
0: well, maybe maybe I'm Chris disrespecting Bosch is Chris Bosh. Fantastic, Bosch
1: yeah. What? But LeBron, D Wade, Bosh is like down there compared to them.
0: I don't know, I man. Think. I think you're just I shitting think. on a, a true tried and true power forward. That is true. But
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I could I could see the Dolphins giving the Patriots a really hard time offensively. Um I'm gonna go Dolphins.
0: All right, yeah, I'm going Dolphins as well. I'm sure they'll put up like forty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, and then we have two games Monday night. Seven fifteen, Saints, Panthers. What are we <clears> thinking <throat> here? Um the Saints looked Pretty bad. I I was going to say, okay. No, they were pretty bad. They're playing the Titans. (laughs) They didn't look good. That game, literally, I watched at least a a snap of every single game uh, from Sunday, except the Saints-Titans. I did not want (laughs) to watch that game. I I kept my distance from that one, and for good reason.
1: Yeah, and I I don't know. I feel like the Saints kind of have a similar opponent here in the sense where the Panthers and the Titans, both are kind of like... I would say, offensively lacking yeah, in some areas. So I, I think for that reason alone, I'm going to go Saints. They, they have Michael Thomas, Chris Alave, yeah, and Derek Carr. They can still muster out wins without AK with those guys.
0: Yeah, and they have competent human beings on the defensive line. So that's going to beat the offensive line of the Panthers.
1: 100%. All
0: right, Brown Steelers. Ooh!
1: This one's going to be a good game, I think. Um,
0: yeah. Cleveland's only Browns, favored by two and a half.
1: Yeah. The, the Browns looked really, really good, obviously, against the Bengals. That's kind of, I feel like, one of the bigger stories from Sunday. I, you know, Mike Tomlin is a guy that can turn his team around, I think. And that's, you know, totally a biased opinion. Um, that's fair. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people think. And I'm never going to bet against my boys. I'm taking the Steelers.
0: All right. I hate I hate to do that. I'm I'm taking the Browns. That offense oh. looks so good. <laughs> that offense looks so good. But then again, you go up against a, a very good defense. So, um, I don't know. We'll have to see. But I I think I think Deshaun is kind of getting back to his old self. Uh, old old self. Not not that old self. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's doing that. But <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Almost
1: made me spit out my water there, man. <laughs> um, something else I want to highlight about this game to completely go away from what you just said. Thank you. Um TJ Watt tied the Steelers all time sack record on Sunday against the 49ers. I think he had a three sack wow. game, which is really crazy to believe when you think of like mean Joe Green, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, and all those guys. TJ Watt's already tied the record with James Harrison. And uh I'm, you know, expecting him to break it against the Browns. So everybody tune in for that. That's a big deal. The Steelers yeah. are all about pass rush. Oh, yeah. He's not even close to being done.
0: No, definitely not. So, he's got years, it's crazy. years. Um, all right. Well, that's the slate. Um, all right, let's do it. Let's let's talk M O B. It's time. <laughs> and um This is one of my favorite things to do on this podcast. And and I've talked about this in the past, I love having a platform to come on here and just get mad. <laughs> uh, so I've actually got two rants throughout this MLB recap, but we're going to start with one, and it's about this biogenesis scandal. Um, you might have heard about it. It's a big PED article that came out. This is some, totally something that I'd probably read. Did I read it? Fuck no probably wondering why the guy that's in college studying the sports industry doesn't care. Well, it's because that I hate that the MLB does this every so often. They just run these stories every couple of years about guys that aren't still in the MLB doing steroids. And it's so, so stupid. I don't care that there was a sting operation on a rod and Ryan Braun. I don't care that a rod ratted on fellow MLB players all the MLB did was ruin these guys' careers and ruin the careers of guys that came ahead of them and after them. Yes, let's, let's all get together and celebrate this fantastic story of ruining the lives of professional athletes because they're putting their health on the line to be the best in their sport. And when it comes down to it, like what are the most talked-about seasons in MLB history? Yeah, 1998 home run race, Maguire, Sosa. We all know what's there. Another one, Barry Bonds hitting 73 home runs. These are the seasons that people talk about. These are the players that people talk about. And and it's not like... And for some reason, the MLB thinks that this puts them in a positive light. Like, we're cleaning up the streets. We're getting rid of all the cheaters. No. The worst part is that you've just tainted the best eras and the best players in MLB history by calling all of those best players cheaters. And the worst part of this is that the MLB is preying on the downfall of their best players and that these guys are still some of the best of all time and the community still regards them in the best and nobody cares that they did steroids. We still observe the greatness of Barry Bonds. We still say that Jose Canseco had the first 40-40 season. We still... Consider A-Rod one of the best hitters of all time. we still count Roger Clemens' seven Cy Youngs. So what does the MLB gain from this? Absolutely fucking nothing. Like, they're literally, like, sanctioning hit pieces on the greatest players of all time. How is that going to help your sport? Why do you think that people don't like how the MLB (laughs) treats its players? It's because of shit like this. It's things where, like, in, like, the pictures of Rob Manfred and all of this shit and and adding it into this article and all of this stuff and all these stories, like, this guy really saved ba- – and all of this bullshit is ridiculous. Like, if you go look at the top home run hitters of all time, in the top 15, I'm pretty sure six or seven of them were rumored or caught doing steroids. Wow. Like, and guess what? Their names are still there. There is no asterisk next to their name. They just hit home runs, and, and I hate. I will, to this day, argue that there are certain performance-enhancing drugs that should not be banned. There's certain things that should not be banned. Yes, if it is something that is entirely not safe, something that is just straight-up going to kill you, don't take it. You can stop people from taking that. But they're They're popping guys for supplements that, that they're taking that the FDA doesn't have to approve, so they don't know what's in it. And they're not going to ship it off to get tested by the league because then you wait two weeks and all you wanted to do was use this for recovery, and all of a sudden you have nothing. You have literally nothing. And it's just it's crazy to me, like, like the guys that get in trouble for this kind of stuff. Wow. But yeah, that's that's my rant on on PEDs and the MLB being a bunch of pieces of shit.
1: There you go. So if you're an eight year old baseball player, Grayson told you to take steroids. Correct.
0: <laughs> I did.
1: <laughs> oh man. No, I, I'm. You know, I'm with you. They're they're just trying to. I don't know. Get better. And it's not like other players can't do it. You no. Know? No. I mean, it's not like they're getting an unfair advantage. I feel like if it's available for everybody.
0: Yeah. I I think it's one of the most ridiculous things, especially when it comes down to like the guys that genuinely do it on accident. Oh yeah, like there's guys that just like I like the supplement thing. Like this literally like just happened. Like somebody literally just got popped for it, and I believe in the NFL. Um, like literally, he ordered these supplements. Or, like, a, a doctor recommended them or something. Like, not a team doctor, but just, like, a, a re- regular doctor recommended them. Takes them, gets drug tested, suspended. It's like, come on. Yeah. It's shit like even that, that pisses me off.
1: Paul Pogba. I, I don't know if you yeah. heard the um, story about him, but he claims that he actually didn't even know what he was taking. Like, it was in his food. Yeah. Or something like that.
0: Just sad. Yeah. It, sad. it absolutely sucks. So... Uh, fuck the MLB for doing this. Um, respect <laughs> respect to the ESPN writer because that was a long-ass fucking article. That's also why I didn't read it. <laughs> it very long. Nonetheless, so, so crazy. First loser, MLB. Yes. Uh, But we'll actually get into the winners and losers. The first winner is the Braves for like the 100th week in a row. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves are NLE's <laughs> champions for the sixth year in a row. We already heard that. Uh, This is now their 23... Or, 23rd division title in the division era which started in 1969 23 is the most of any team in the divisional era three ahead of the dodgers um they currently have 96 win this wins this season and honestly looking at their schedule they might hit like 107 or 108 damn yeah so shout out them braves And I I wanted to go
1: back to it, but even Acuna, man, he was having a field day with those fans booing him in Philly. I I loved watching it. I loved
0: it. Yeah. And um, actually, that's a perfect segue. Uh, My next loser is the uh, baseball fun police. They come out uh, every day, I think. Uh, This time, Philly's manager, Rob Thompson, who made a statement about Acuna's home run celebration following his 37th home run of the season, uh, saying, I like our guys to act like they've been there before. Uh, newsflash, Rob, he has been there just this season, 36 times before that. <laughs> and what, in his career, he's hit uh, well over 100? Like, yeah, look, Rob, he's been there. Don't worry. You you played four years in the league. You've barely been there. But <laughs> it, it's shit. It's it, This is just another thing of people trying to ruin this fucking sport. You have a guy on your team named Bryce Harper, who likes to pimp home runs too. You have a guy on a team named Kyle Schwarber that only hits home runs or he strikes out. But Acuna does a celebration because he is literally shattering history. (laughs) And you have a problem with it. All of a sudden, guys can't celebrate. Yep. It it, it just makes no sense to me. Uh, But my next winner is Trey Turner of the Phillies. <laughs> Shout out Trey Turner. Yeah. Though though he was part of the losing effort that allowed the Braves to clinch on Wednesday, he has been red hot at the plate. He is now the first player in MLB history to have at least 11 home runs and 11 multi-hit games over a 13 game span. Wow. Yeah. He is out of nowhere too. Killing it. It's it's just look, the Phillies fans finally finally applauded him. That's all he needed. Yeah, he just and That was a cool gesture. Some... It was. He just needed some yeah. uh, positive reinforcement.
1: Sometimes it's all we need, man. Yeah, so shout pick up, out. Pick up your brothers. Yeah. Pick up your brothers.
0: Shout out Trey Turner. Uh, but here comes my second rant of the MLB. Uh, uh, my next loser is Bill platchkey, writer for the LA C-bell? Times. Um, he is a piece of shit. But um, he just continues to be an embarrassment to baseball media. Um, not only to the entire league, but to his Dodgers faithful as well. I'm sitting here looking at people's reactions to this article and half of them are Dodgers fans being like, I fucking hate Bill (laughs) Platsky. And if you don't know why I hate him and I have hated him for multiple years now, um, he tweeted during the 2021 NLCS between the Dodgers and Braves, um, and I quote: After the five-game madness against the Giants, this NLCS game one in a sterile shopping mall Atlanta stadium feels like a Saturday night in May. Most excitement is discussion of post-game trips to Waffle House.
1: I um, I have, I have yeah. never heard that quote before, bro. He just
0: insulted yeah. the whole fucking state. Yeah. And then we inevitably skull fucked the Dodgers on route to a World Series title. If you don't see it right here. Uh, We won that Series 4-2. Um, and on that World Series run uh, in the postseason, uh, we didn't even face elimination once and flaunted one of the best fan bases in the MLB and continue to to this day. Now, you know the backstory. He wrote an article the other day titled, The Race is Over. The Dodgers' Mookie Betts should be the National League MVP. First of all, if the race was over, he... It wouldn't be should. Mookie Betts would be the MVP. So, grammar. Uh, But uh, he also says... uh, I pulled a a few quotes here. (laughs) Then there is the clincher. Betts has played three different positions on three wildly divergent parts of the diamond while Acuna has yet to exit right field. That is the dumbest fucking argument I have ever heard for somebody to win MVP. Is that your team isn't fucking good enough to just... Have a shortstop or have a second baseman either stay healthy or be good enough to be on an MLB field. That is a bullshit argument. Next, he then, this fucking idiot, puts a quote that he got from Dave Roberts while he forced Roberts to take his pick for MVP between his own two players in Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, in which Roberts stated, I think it's hard not to say Mookie is not the most valuable player. Okay, listen to that real close. I think it's hard not to say that Mookie is not the most valuable player. Grammar, bitch! I hate that that's my biggest hole in his entire argument, but maybe check the grammar next time when you're going to force the manager of the team that pays your bills. Have him say the right thing. Don't have him say that there's no way that Mookie's not or it's hard to not say that Mookie's not, like, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> but, yeah, the rest of the article is just stroking Mookie, which we do plenty of on this podcast. Uh, we, we commend Mookie Betts a lot, but uh, the rest of it outside of that is belittling Ronald Acuna for having a season that will be remembered in the halls of Cooperstown rather than a season that is arguably worse than what the other player did back in 2018. So that's rant uh, number two and the final rant uh, of the episode, for me, at least.
1: I, I I never even heard about that shit. I can't believe yeah. he not only went after the stadium, the new stadium where every everybody in Georgia loves to go to the battery. Oh, it, it's such is, a bad-ass it is an stadium. environment
0: like I have never been in before. I've been to football games at <laughs> Sanford Stadium and Jordan Hare and Bobby Dodd I and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the Georgia Dome. Uh, I've been to uh, Camping World Stadium. I have been to so many football games. Nothing. I've been to baseball games at Turner Field, PNC Park, Petco Park, numerous, obviously minor league games aren't big, uh, uh, Miller Park as well. Nothing is like the postseason atmosphere of a Braves game. When we lost to the Phillies in game two of the NLDS last year, that fucking stadium was bumping. Even once we lost, that stadium was fucking loud. Yeah, It is unlike any other. And if you want to call us a sterile shopping mall, then maybe all of your fucking fans shouldn't leave the stadium when they go down in game four of that same goddamn series. And then
1: the Waffle House comment. Yeah,
0: bro. You've got to be stupid. fucked up. You have got to be
1: fucked up to talk about Waffle yeah. House like that.
0: And that's why uh, a a big part of like people releasing merch and everything after that was doing like the world champions in like the Waffle House squares. That's why, (laughs) yeah, that's why this happened. Oh, Uh, okay. Because like Peter Moylan, who obviously former Braves pitcher uh, works for Bally Sports South, uh, replied to the tweet with just a picture of him eating Waffle House. Perfect. Uh, But. Let's move on so I can compliment a Dodgers player. Uh, my next winner is Freddie Freeman. Uh, the man is oh. on pace for the first 60-double season in 90 years. Ow. Yeah, nobody has hit 60 doubles in 90 years. That is. Hmm.
1: That's a, there's a lot of good players that have been in the league in 90 years. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's interesting.
0: Like prolific extra base hit guy. Like Hank Aaron. (laughs) Hank Aaron never had sixty doubles in a season, and he is the extra base hit leader of all time.
1: Who's the who's the last guy to do it?
0: Uh I don't I don't know a lot of players from uh what is that, (laughs) nineteen (laughs) thirty-three? Yeah. Gotta be honest. (laughs) Um
1: Oh, yeah, I probably
0: should have kept it because I know his name was on the thing that I saw this on. Uh, Nonetheless, congrats, Freddie. Whatever. We have Matt Olson; He's about to break the franchise record for home runs. Uh, But my next loser is uh, anybody that hits a ball to left or right center or just center field in general against the Cubs for the next 15, 20 years. Uh, yeah. Pete Crow Armstrong. The wow. man is here, and he made a statement with this one. The kid covered 98 feet in 4.9 seconds to make a sliding grab at Coors Field. That means he was moving 30.7 feet per second.
1: Corbin Carroll, watch the fuck out yeah. because y- you your um, clone has respawned.
0: Yeah, and he's got some beautiful hair.
1: Oh, yeah. And then I actually have him in my notes, too. Uh, the moment with his mom was yeah. so precious in that debut, man.
0: Yeah. And in case you didn't know, I think I said it on Wednesday's episode, but his mom is the mom of the kid in the movie Little Big League from the 90s. Oh, shit. Yeah. Ow. Uh, but let's move on. My next winner, the Red Sox scoreboard operator. With their fourth rain delay since Saturday. Yes. Four rain delays since Saturday in Boston. The Red Sox had to improvise a way to entertain the fans for staying. And um they just put the immaculate grid up on the on the scoreboard. Oh wow. Yeah. It was great. That's awesome. It was a pretty good grid too. Pretty sure it was uh Yankees, Reds, Rookie of the Year across the top, and then Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs down. Pretty solid nice. grid. Uh oh. But my next loser is uh, taking your no-hitter into the ninth. Um, It just seems to suck because uh, there have been two no-hit bids broken in the ninth or later over the last four days. Milwaukee and Houston both had one. Last time that happened in the MLB in a span of four days or less, August 20th of 1986, when it happened twice on the same day. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and there's actually been three no hitters broken up in the ninth in the last sixteen days, with San Francisco uh, and Alex Cobb. Last time for that, April twenty eighth to uh, to May tenth in nineteen
1: eighty nine. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So uh,
0: I would not want to take a no hitter into the ninth right now. Heck no. <laughs> but my final winner, the Orioles farm system. They just keep bringing these guys up. Heston Kerstad, the latest to get the call, uh, the outfielder, he's going to come up. I believe he'll make his debut tomorrow. I don't think he's debuting today. But um, meanwhile, down in AAA, his outfield counterpart in Jackson Holiday, who just got brought up, hit his first bomb in AAA. And uh, <laughs> that's – in his first eight games were a real slow start. Only batting like 150 over the first eight games. But, oh, wow. In his ninth game, two hits, one of them a home run. We'll definitely take that. I like that. Yeah. So shout out the Orioles and their uh their young talent. Um, and then I don't really have a final loser. I'm considering this one kind of a loser, but maybe not. <laughs>
1: okay. So
0: uh, just follow along. Uh, it's Jordan Lyles of the Royals. So the loser side is that he leads the league in runs allowed as a qualified starting pitcher at 121 runs, and he also leads the league in losses with 16. Damn. But, interestingly enough, he's also tied for the lead league in complete games. How? I couldn't fucking tell you. (laughs) It sounds like he should be taken out of games pretty early. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and most of the time he is, but... Yeah, he's got he's got f- 4 wins, 16 losses and 3 complete games. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely crazy. That's why I'm saying like kind of a loser, but maybe not like definitely not great pitching, but if you can go a complete game 3 times this like good. In, in this era, it's amazing. Um Oh, yeah, other news though. The last 20 starts for Blake Snell have been crazy. A 1.31 ERA, 12.54 Ks per nine. He's the first pitcher in MLB history to have a sub 1.5 ERA with a 12.5 plus Ks per nine over a 20-start span in a single season.
1: A little bit too late for him.
0: Yeah, too bad. <laughs> um, too bad. Not too late for this guy, though. Spencer Strider of the Atlanta Braves, of course. Quadzilla, if you may. Uh, has 415 strikeouts in his first 48 career MLB starts. He needs at least four strikeouts over his next two starts to surpass Doc Dwight Gooden's 418 for the most strikeouts in a pitcher's first 50 major league starts in the modern era. What did you say that guy's name was? Uh, Dwight Gooden, also known as Doc Gooden. He sounds like he probably played in the 20s. No. Uh, he was on the, oh. uh, uh, like, a Mets legend. Uh, played with, like, Daryl Strawberry and Keith Hernandez.
1: Was that 80s?
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Believe dude, me, also, finished. he might have played on the Yankees. I could be wildly misunderstanding know. that.
1: I don't know. Um, this Vikings-Eagles game is pretty crazy right now, actually.
0: He did play um, the Yankees. Um, I haven't been paying attention at all.
1: Oh, never mind. The Eagles just got the ball. <laughs> Vikings probably lost. Yep, ball game. Um, 15 seconds yeah, they left. The
0: Eagles win 34-28.
1: They were driving down the field, though. Definitely. Kirk had a fucking fantastic game.
0: 31 Hell for yeah. 43, 364,
1: and four touchdowns. Damn. Woo. All right. Well... You stole my Pete Crow Armstrong, but that's okay. Because phenomenal, phenomenal player. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna add a loser though, and my loser is Ellie De La Cruz. He was playing catch with—is uh, it Noel? Noel V. Marte?
0: Yeah, Noel V. Did
1: Did you hear about this?
0: No. Oh wait, yeah, you got like hit in the face.
1: Yeah, they were yeah. playing catch, and Ellie threw a ball at Marte, and I guess Marte wasn't looking, and blood just begins to pour out of Marte's nose, yeah. and he was in the starting lineup. And the game was delayed, and then he was later removed from the starting lineup. So, damn it, Ellie.
0: Yeah, he's just too good. <laughs> Throwing
1: too hard. He's too good. Uh, another loser, and this one's kind of sad, but you know, we'll, we'll just have to talk about it. Max Scherzer. Yep. Um, and, I mean, it only really gets worse for the Rangers. Uh, out for the remainder of the season with a muscle strain. And, yeah, this just couldn't suck more
0: for that Texas team. Yeah, I, I do want to note, this so he's not going to need surgery which is good uh, but one of the reporters said he's unlikely to pitch in the postseason and I can't decide if that's because he's hurt or if they're just not going to make the playoffs
1: <laughs> right <laughs> who knows um, and then I have uh, three Yankees uh, news that I want to hit Zach McAllister made his Yankee debut yeah. or, or not wh- no it wasn't a debut it was his first time pitching in like five years in the majors which was really cool to see um, And how about Michael King? Michael King might be one of the best pitchers in the league right now. So normally he's like a closer setup kind of role in the Yankees' bullpen. But for his past four outings, he's actually been starting games. That's really how bad it is in New York. Um, 18.2 innings pitched, 18 hits given up, only three earned runs, and 26 strikeouts. His outing versus the Brew Crew – He had nine Ks in five innings. And then today versus Boston, he went 4.2 innings and had eight strikeouts. Wow. Yeah, so big winner, Michael King there. Uh, I love to see it. I've always loved him as a pitcher. Maybe we'll start to see him more as a starter. Who knows? Um, And then a big loser, mainly for Yankees fans. I mainly just feel bad for this guy. Martian, Jason Dominguez, is going to have to get Tommy John surgery. They're saying nine to ten months for him. Yep. Tough. That's brutal. Yeah, that's brutal. And that, that was it for my stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I got one more thing, but um, <laughs> what, nine, nine to ten months? So we're looking yep. at like a June or July return next year? Not good. Oh, not the Martian. But <clears throat> I'm going to talk about Japanese star pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, he had 29 MLB scouts in the stands for his last start. And uh, threw a no-hitter. Third of the season. Third? Yeah, I believe it was third of the season. I saw third. It might have been season, might have been career. I'm not sure. (laughs) It was the third of something. Yeah. (laughs) Either way, crazy. Uh, Brian Cashman was in attendance. Uh, He got swarmed by fans. Uh, Jed Hoyer of the, uh, Chicago Cubs, their president of baseball operations will be there for his next start in a couple of days. But right now it looks like the Yankees really want him. That sounds great. All right. That sounds great. Have another, uh, Masahiro
1: Tanaka, except hopefully better than Tanaka.
0: Yeah. I was about to say, you might want something a little bit better. (laughs) Nonetheless, um, let's talk playoff picture. Uh, not too much changing, but still, a, a few things shaken up. So, when we look at the standings, um, of course, in the American League... Actually, not of course. It's it's getting kind of close. Um, in the American League East, the Baltimore Orioles only have a one-game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, they both sit at 91 wins, but the Rays have played two more and lost two more, so the Orioles might not be locked up for that, uh, that first seed in the American league, but those two just so clear of everybody else in the American league. So you're either, you're either the number one seed or you're going to end up as the number four seed, which kind of sucks.
1: That's a big difference there. And it's every more reason to, you know, keep playing until it's over. You know, it's, there's no time to rest guys really.
0: Definitely not. Um, But when it comes down to, uh, the uh other division leaders of course the twins they're 8 games ahead of the guardians so they've got that one locked up and then the uh the astros are a half game ahead of the rangers and a game and a half ahead of the mariners who have kind of slipped to just a little bit yeah um, Interesting. But when we look at the wild card standings, uh, we're looking at the Rays still as the one seed there. They're nine games out of the Rangers at two Mariners at three and the blue Jays who have really fallen off losing four straight um, a game and a half back of the Seattle Mariners. Ooh, close though. Yeah, definitely a close one. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll have to see that. That American league one is crazy and it's really just one team out right now, like one team out of the four, um, you know, is, is sitting on the outside looking in and it it kind of makes sense. It's the Blue Jays um, when it comes down to like run differential uh, far and away the worst of the four uh, at only a plus 55. Whereas the other ones all clear a hundred easily. I I just think that the Blue Jays are hitting a skid at the wrong time. Yeah,
1: yeah, big time. But you know, like you said, they're only one game back in Seattle. Yeah. Oh. So, still yeah. close.
0: But over in the National League, of course, the Braves have already clinched their uh ticket as a top three seed. <clears throat> I believe the magic number for clinching home field advantage in the national league is twelve, I believe. Uh so any night that the Dodgers lose and the Braves win is a uh, another step closer to that uh magic number coming to fruition. But uh yes, like I said, Braves ninety six and fifty, Dodgers eighty eight and fifty seven, and then the Brewers at eighty two and sixty four. They're your three division leaders. Go over to the wild card, the Phillies. They've got uh two and a half games, uh, or sorry, one and a half games over the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs two and a half games over the Giants. The Giants, Reds, and Diamondbacks straight up tie between the three of them at the moment. Ooh. Yeah, all with a 5.14 winning percentage and then the Marlins only a half game back of that pack.
1: Crazy. And I honestly like out of all these teams, I just can't believe how hot the Cubs have gotten.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and they've kind of I mean, slowed really? down a little bit. Like they've lost their last two. They're 5 and 5 in their last 10. But literally every team from the Marlins to the Cubs has been 5 and 5 in their last 10. <laughs>
1: How oh, This is what we live for. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: crazy. And then the Phillies have been the worst in their last ten out of this group,
1: making it even closer.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, the National League Wild Card is gonna come down to so, a, a pretty heated race because the Marlins are a game or are half a game back. If they win their next game, which doesn't look likely because they play a, a three game set with the Braves, but uh, that that could really hurt them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good, but the diamondbacks reds giants certainly going to be fighting it out. And the Cubs too, the, the Cubs can't falter.
1: Uh, man, there's going to be one team that I'm going to be sad. Doesn't make it. I, there just is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I want reds diamondback. I, I honestly, <coughs> every single team that is contention, I want to make the playoffs except yeah. the Phillies. I'd love for them to exactly. Not make it. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> But nonetheless, yeah, it's looking pretty wild. So uh, we'll keep you guys updated um, every week with that. But it it seems like it's time for the Premier League, Luke.
1: Uh, We don't want to go into the weekend with MLB? Oh, shit.
0: How did I forget that on the prep sheet? Um, (laughs) Of course, we have to do that. So, um, Luke, start me off with your, uh, your favorite matchup for the week.
1: Well, oh, let me let me get onto the website here because I always I never take notes at this part. I just All right. always
0: raise Orioles this weekend. I'll start it. Uh, Dodgers. <laughs> seattle <laughs> Rays Orioles is fucking ridiculous. They're literally. Oh
1: my god!
0: Insane. That's the
1: Cubs. Crazy. The Cubs and the Diamondbacks play each other. Yeah. This oh, is a
0: man. Huge, huge, huge weekend for wild card Ooh. implications in both leagues. Braves and Marlins. So the Marlins have to <coughs> have to at least take 2 off the Braves if they want to stay close because somebody's getting some games in that Diamondback series with the Cubs. The Reds might have a cakewalk here and that might help them. They're playing the Mets. The Rangers play the Guardians, so they've got a pretty good chance to push up a little bit, but the Astros play the Royals. Um so that one might might help them out the Giants play the Rockies that puts them in a good position it is insane where these wild card teams you know are, are are playing this weekend but when it comes to the National League it seems like the team with the best opportunity to pull away is gonna be the Reds playing the Mets yeah yeah I, I completely agree or Philly's mm-hmm. playing the Cardinals
1: yeah I can see that too, but Baltimore plays Houston on Sunday or no Monday, Monday. sorry Monday
0: yeah. yep yeah um a, a lot of huge series, really, coming down the stretch because you know obviously we'll have a couple of like in division matchups, but when it comes down to it, a lot of these wildcard teams are either facing each other or facing very good teams
1: yep oh did I say Baltimore? Is Houston? Yes. You I did. say Boston.
0: Said Baltimore.
1: Okay. Just want to make sure I didn't get my B cities mixed up. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, um, any good pitching matchups this weekend? We've got Eflin versus Jack Flaherty and Rays Orioles on Friday. Let me. Yeah. Not not a lot. Oh, Bobby Miller versus George Kirby and Giants Mariners on Friday. Yep, that one's going to be good. Yep.
1: Um, uh, Tyler Glasnow versus Grayson Rodriguez is kind of decent.
0: Yeah, that's not bad. Um, not <laughs> not a lot of good ones.
1: Yep, Kershaw versus Bryce Miller.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty good. Uh, And then Sunday, Morton versus Lozardo is actually a pretty good matchup. Um, Like that one. Yeah, not a lot of great pitching matchups this weekend.
1: No, not really. But, hey, great series. Yes,
0: <laughs> definitely some great series. Oh, we do have Jordan Wicks uh, facing Ryan Nelson on uh, Sunday, Cubs-Diamondbacks. Uh, that was go. good as well. So, sorry I was a little premature. Now we can get into the Premier League, Let's do and it. Um, it all starts Manchester United versus Brighton. First thoughts.
1: Oh, sorry, I had to quench my, my thirst. Um. The Way I see it, Brighton is way more consistent than Manchester United right now. I I really still have no idea how to feel about United this season. Um, they they look nowhere as good. They don't even look like they can be as good as they were last year. Yeah. I mean, maybe if like maybe if you work around like the lineups and stuff. But what I mean, like, they're on the play field does not look as good as it was last season. And Brighton, Brighton have been kind of flying. Um, you know, they did. Actually, they're coming off of a win against your Toon squad.
0: Yes. Um, Evan word.
1: Ferguson with a brilliant hat trick. He actually has four goals in four games, which is pretty insane. And, you know, it comes down to really Brighton have a very young squad that can compete with anybody in the Premier League right
0: now. Yeah. Really anybody. They can definitely compete with a Manchester mm-hmm. United team that has Anthony on suspension for obvious reasons. Um, Sophie on Amrabat is still doubtful, so we probably still won't see him. Uh, Rafael Varane is doubtful as well. Mason Mount out till October. Luke Shaw still needs a few days to recover. So still missing some like some some key guys for Manchester United. And Brighton really only missing, yes, Evan Ferguson is doubtful. I don't know if he's going to play or not. And the same goes for Julio and CISO. But those are their only two like real inactives.
1: And something else that I wanted to highlight as well, but I have to find the stat. Um oh my god, this is gonna take me a second. I, I'm referring to Manchester United's last game against Arsenal. That was a really really, really poor outing. Oh man, I gotta find the stat. Please hold. Yep, yeah, they lost three one. And yeah, here it is. Manchester United had a total of ten shots. Two of them on target. It's brutal. They actually, they scored one goal, but their expected goals was a 0.94. Ooh. I mean, you don't win games like that. You maybe draw nil-nil,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> but you don't win games like that. Um, they didn't have a lot of the ball. Bad game from Onana and DeLoe, um, to your point, with Luke Shaw being out. Um, Anthony is largely ineffective when he was on the pitch. Now he's even more ineffective. Um yeah, it Manchester United just don't look good. They look no, too they shaky.
0: Don't. Nobody on that team has more than one goal. Wow. Yeah, and through four matches, that certainly shouldn't be the case for a team that's so highly touted this season. Um, I really like Brighton in this one, dude. Dude too.
1: I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two 0
0: Yeah. My um, my biggest problem is like, yeah, Brighton flying with the goals. They've scored three goals per game this season. They haven't kept a clean sheet. Manchester United, unbeaten at home. Uh, That's just in the last four, so that includes uh, going back to like friendlies and stuff, but that doesn't really matter. But I I still think Brighton takes it. They end that unbeaten streak at home. Uh, I'm going to take Brighton 2-0.
1: So, we agree. Yeah.
0: Nice. All right. Well, then we go to uh, a surprisingly top four matchup (laughs) between (laughs) West Ham United and Manchester City. Um, This one's interesting. Look, Manchester United, er, or sorry, West Ham, are going to be putting out whatever their best lineup possible is because they have nobody out.
1: Except for Susek.
0: Oh, shit. Yep. Didn't know that.
1: I actually think it helps them because the way that they lined up against uh, their 2-1 win over Luton Town last week, you finally, you know, you didn't have to replace somebody in the midfield. Paquette got to stay at Cam, and James Ward-Prowse with uh, Edison Alvarez, were they were the holding mids. And I love Susek, but you can't really line up better than that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's ideal.
1: Um, And it reflected in their possession, 61% possession.
0: Yeah. And not that Luton nope. Town is uh good at all, <laughs> actually. Um
1: but Lutontown actually had sixteen shots in that game, but only one on target. <laughs>
0: so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks yeah. for backing me up. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um looking at the history of this matchup though, um, not great. The last thirty head to heads between these two teams. Uh Manchester City has won twenty three.
1: Okay, so they got a pretty good track record against West Ham.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so does their striker, uh, Mr. Early Holland. He likes to score really against anybody.
1: Um, I want to talk about Manchester City's last game against Fulham. Holland, hook Fulham, put them in a dumpster, lit that bitch on fire. (laughs) That's pretty much what happened. He scored a hat trick in a 5-1 win. Um, Alvarez and Ake also got on the score sheet. And – Alvarez is. It just goes to prove why Pep Guardiola is not the best. He's just unfair. Why do they have that good of depth? They can just replace KDB with Alvarez, and it just works the same. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. It, it makes
0: it. it makes zero sense. And, and like no. another part of this is that, yeah, Erling Holland. You have the top goal scorer in the league right now with six goals. You also are second in goals scored per match at two point eight. You also are the only team that has kept two clean sheets. Wow. That's unfair. It is It is straight up unfair
1: that they can play this good. And Kovacic has started like every game for them, which I really underestimated the playing time he was going to get, but he's been absolutely solid for them. I love to see it. Yeah. Really do.
0: I'm right again. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> just too good, man. All right, score predictions in that one for nail Man City. <clears throat> I mean, that's it, it's it's realistic. Like, I, I, it's just exactly. crazy that that's the case. Um, no. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three one. I, I like Manchester or er, Jesus. I would like West Ham's attack. God, I'm <laughs> struggling. you're good man you're good oh but let's get to the last uh notable matchup which there is other good matchups but not really and this one is kind of surprising unless you've looked at the table recently this is a good matchup um crystal palace versus fulham crystal palace right now sits seventh in the league
1: yeah um you know villa are coming off of a 3-0 loss to liverpool I, I really had nothing to highlight in this game with Villa because it wasn't even like they play bad. It just Liverpool took, took their opportunities well. Um, Villa, you know, they defended pretty awfully, though. I, I kind of meant yeah. the other parts of Villa were really good. Um, they barely had the ball. Um, and the only thing that I really want to highlight from this game, and it's not even the team that we're covering, Soboslai did get his first Liverpool goal in that one for Aston nice. Villa. Um Do you have anything for Aston Villa?
0: Uh, No, uh, I do have to correct myself. I accidentally went ahead to next week's games and just said Crystal Palace versus uh, uh, Fulham. I'm pretty sure. Oh. (laughs) But Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace is the game we're supposed to be talking about. Yes, yes. Um, (laughs) It's so tough with, with Aston Villa. You know, the guys that they're missing right now are big parts of this team. But they've done a good job of filling the roles because I don't think we've seen Jacob Ramsey or Tyrone Mings or Emiliano Buendia in any of their matches so far this year. So they've really done a good job of of filling those holes in the team. And I just I love how Aston Villa lines up.
1: Oh yeah, they're they're you know they're an entertaining team to kind of like you know see as soccer nerds like you and I. I I just like to look at players that teams have and yeah. try to figure out how I would line it up. Aston Villa is one of those fun teams you can do that with.
0: Yeah, and of course, like they're coming off of a very tough loss to Liverpool, like you said, but their team didn't play that bad. Yeah, I know. Like, the attacking efforts weren't great. Ollie Watkins, probably the worst performance of the day outside of, you know, Matty Cash giving up an own goal, which was super unlucky, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, like, I still feel, like, pretty confident in this squad. And um, I think an early injury took out Diego Carlos. Um, Yeah, and what was weird about that is that instead of subbing in a center back to fill his spot, they subbed on Leon Bailey and shifted the formation because they were running a five at the back, shifted to a four at the back, and slid in Leon Bailey. Which very interesting. I definitely think threw them off a bit. Obviously, Sabaslai was already on the board at that point, but then that leads to the a bit of a defensive breakdown with Matty Cash getting the own goal, and then later in the game, Salah scores.
1: Leon Bailey came in for an injured Diego Carlos in nineteenth minute, only to get subbed out in the 65th by Zeniola.
0: Yeah. I don't bizarre. know what they were going for. Uh, I'll just say this. Yeah. I trust Unai Emery because he has been a very good decision maker for this team. He's a proven manager. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. And, and I like what he's done with this team. That moves a little confusing to me. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I had definitely had some question marks watching that match. But nonetheless, oh. this is still a good matchup. Crystal Palace is not a team to look past. They always have youth in this lineup, and this is no different they They played a fantastic hard fought match against wolves where they almost lost it there at the end. but they hang on uh they get the fifty sixth minute goal from edouard, and then as he follows him up in the seventy eighth and then Edouard tacks on another within the eighty fourth uh Huang scores a goal in the sixty fifth and then uh Kunha. Uh, scored in the 90th plus six, trying to bring it back, uh, but to no avail. Crystal Palace, like, <clears throat> ezzy and Edouard, beautiful up front. The way that they oh, yeah. lined up last week was so perfect, and it just allowed those two to just get fed the ball.
1: Yeah, and to bounce off of that, Crystal Palace had 16 shots, but unlike Luton Town, who had one shot on target, Crystal Palace had 11 shots on target, which – is way better than any of the teams that we've covered, you know, doing this uh, Premier League yeah. preview. And, yeah, Crystal Palace look really good attacking.
0: Really, Definitely. really good. Um, So, in like, when it comes down to, like, the matchups between these two historically, um, as far back as I'm seeing, Aston Villa has six wins, Crystal Palace has six wins, and there's two draws between them.
1: Couldn't get more even than that.
0: Yeah. Um, When you look at, like, top goal scorers, uh, Diaby scored two, Edward has three, but I I don't see that much separation between these two teams, personally, with with how we've seen them play in these first couple of matches. And, yeah, Villa haven't – or, sorry, not Villa. Crystal Palace haven't played the best teams, and really Villa hasn't either outside of that tough defeat to Liverpool. But – I, I still think I ought to stick with Villa.
1: I, I think I'm gonna take Palace 2 1, actually. Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it. So I'm gonna go 2 1 Aston Villa. Alright. Alright. Um can- remaining matches of the weekend though. Uh you have Wolves versus Liverpool, Fulham versus Lutontown, Spurs versus Sheffield United, um Newcastle Brentford. And then Sunday you have Bournemouth, Chelsea, and Everton, Arsenal.
1: I think Chelsea are going to debut their new uh, third kit. Have you seen it?
0: Yeah, I have. It looks good.
1: It's like that foam yeah. sea green kind of look. I think I like Newcastle
0: it is never going to win another match. So what do you mean? I'm getting I'm getting real. <laughs> I'm getting real. Like, I'm losing all hope with this team.
1: <laughs> Quickly, oh, no, man. very quick. Come on. Well, we get to see how they fare against AC Milan. Champions League.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's just... Let's just go ahead and get into that. Uh, <laughs> AC Milan oh, looks so fucking good in Serie A right now.
1: That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> like, it's unfair. We have a game against Inter, though. I think tomorrow? Uh, no, Saturday. Sorry. Okay. That's going to be a good game. But... Um, yeah, of course, with us not keeping up with the Serie A much, I really don't know much about what's going on with AC Milan. I yeah. just know that they have been kicking ass in that league.
0: Yeah, in three so. games played, Olivier Giroud has four goals. Christian Pulisic has two. Rafael Leao has one. It's just, they're playing so well. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and castle's really just not. that's my issue here (laughs) you know what what
1: I've noticed with Newcastle this season is it it seems like their their defense has been figured out almost yeah and I I think that's kind of where the downfall at least is starting um but they they more than they're more than capable of having the means and they do have the means they have the players they have the personnel to turn their season around it's just a matter of when
0: yeah and what sucks is that Sven Bottman's doubtful. Sandra Tonali missed his international appearance, and he's doubtful as well. Joe Willock's doubtful. Like, come on. <laughs> and we're it's, still going to have unfair. to watch a fucking... Oh, we're still going to have to watch that goddamn Sandra Tanali fucking hype video. single <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to watch that. That's what's going to kill me.
1: Oh, man, you got a score prediction, or are you going to be biased? 1 1.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to. I have to. I'm using my last shred of confidence in this team on this prediction. You know,
1: I, I hit that point with Chelsea last season, so I'll give it to yeah, you. Yeah, it's just um, very
0: early for that.
1: <laughs> I, I'm still. I'm going to go 2-1 AC Milan, okay. but I, Newcastle, I feel like in this game, are going to look a lot better.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just it's such a hard way to start off. Like, one of your first Champions League appearances in a very, very long time. Yeah. In, in this fucking group of death. And speaking of this group of death, the second best matchup, well, it's probably the best matchup. I just put AC Milan Newcastle first. Um is PSG versus Dortmund, the same day. Um, a lot of inactives for both sides, at least as of today. Um, don't know, you know who's going to be back, who's not. For the moment, Kimpembe has returned to training. Uh, hasn't made an appearance yet. Uh, Nuno Mendes looks like he's out. Um, I just totally heard that. As I was going to talk, I know. throw me off. I couldn't hide it. Couldn't <laughs> hide it. Um, My bad. I'm coming back from the flu like Jordan, except uh, I'm not man. like Jordan.
1: This is really sucking. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, what I was saying, uh, Marco Sensio out till October. A bunch of like Ow. pretty good players in this lineup are out, but not like the top guys that are going to be like the huge difference makers, at least on the attacking side. Dortmund, kind of a similar story. Munir's out. Um, Full Krug, their new signing from uh, Werder Bremen's out, uh, and that's kind of the main the main guys. Uh, Kobol is out as well. I just I don't know, man. Like both of these teams are just so good. It's just hard to root or it's hard to pick against PSG just because of the firepower.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm leaning towards, too. PSG have looked a lot better in League 1 than Dortmund have looked in the Bundesliga. Definitely. Um, Dortmund have tied to teams that are called Heidenheim and Bochum. Beat Cologne. (laughs) Uh, but Bochum and Heidenheim, whatever the fuck that name is, should not be tying with Dortmund. And it has Dortmund sitting at a solid
0: ninth in
1: the Bundesliga right now through three games played. Dortmund's in second behind Monaco. I'm taking PSG and All and right. how do you get how do you get so lucky i can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast or not you kept killian mbappe you bought Kolo muani and you get you get gonzalo ramos
0: yeah
1: and it's like suddenly suddenly psg aren't in trouble anymore like we thought yeah. and that's really going to help them out big time
0: yeah and they still started marco asensio striker in their last match
1: <laughs> that's what you get when the Amir of qatar runs your team
0: yeah like, Mbappe on the left, Asensio in the middle, Dembele on the right. What the fuck is that?
1: <laughs> what, what are you doing?
0: What is Luis Enrique doing? <laughs> brutal. Couldn't explain brutal, brutal. it. So, uh you Got a score prediction. Ah, man. I'm going to just 2-0, uh, 2-0 two two PSG. I'm going to
1: go 2-1 PSG. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, and then the final one uh, that we'll talk about here for the Champions League. I just lost my page again because I keep fucking closing all my tabs. I got you. Bayern you. versus
1: Manchester United. This one's going to be fucking crazy, except for the fact that Manchester United is Sucks. probably a – I don't even know a dark horse, but actually it's one of my questions. We'll get into it later, but they've been struggling. We already talked about it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. They're gonna get their cheeks ran by Bayern Munich.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> is what's gonna happen.
0: Agreed. <laughs> I don't think it goes any other way. Like Bayern Munich is just so fucking good.
1: Yeah, Bayern Munich and uh, Bayern Leverkusen are the only two teams in the Bundesliga left that have won their uh, won all three games played so far. Um, Harry Kane looks phenomenal. Yeah, Bayern looks phenomenal. Um, it looks like Bayern is gonna have. A lot less trouble winning the Bundesliga this year than last year. They had to win it, I think, on, like, the last match day. Yeah. I think this year it's going to be very different.
0: Agreed. And, yep. look, Manchester United, you can you can run, but you can't hide from Harry Kane.
1: <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's brutal.
0: <laughs> They're it, like, it finally, really he's sucks. fucking gone. <laughs> and they face him in the first match of the Champions League. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't see a, a world where Bayern Munich loses this match. Uh, I'm going to go Bayern
1: 3-0. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, Bayern is the type of team that can, I, I think, expose any weak team. No matter how good the weak team is, yeah. they can
0: expose. Agreed. Um, let's see. Other matchups here <laughs> for the Champions League. Um, we got a few other like pretty good ones. Um that we just left off. Um, but we have uh, Young Boys versus Leipzig, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk versus Porto, Man City versus Red Star Belgrade, uh, Lazio versus Atletico Madrid, which is one I, I thought about putting on the prep sheet, uh, Barcelona versus Antwerp, which going can be brutal, um, Feyenoord versus Celtic, which is a pretty good matchup, uh, Real Madrid versus Union Berlin, which in my mind, I was like, that might be close. And then I remembered that Jude Bellingham is just the greatest player on the face of the earth right now. Literally. Uh, Um, Galatasaray, Copenhagen, Uh, Benfica, Salzburg, Braga, Napoli, Arsenal, PSV, Sevilla versus lens and rail Sociedad versus inter. And then uh, I believe we get like a two week break and then we come back to it.
1: So before we wrap up UCL, and go into our questions. I have a UCL question for you.
0: Okay.
1: Kind of looking at the group stage when I was taking the notes for this episode, I kind of realized that Manchester United, I think out of all the big teams, I could see Manchester United not going through group stage.
0: I agree. Um, Their group is tough. Like it's not an easy group. Um, Galatasaray is very good. They're on very good form. Um, I
1: guess I didn't even ask you a question. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Manchester United
0: could, you know, not make it through potentially? Maybe. Galatasaray is very good. I don't see Copenhagen moving on.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's going to be tough because, like, I, I have a feeling Bayern just sweeps this group. Yeah, um, easily. You know, maybe they draw like one or two, and, and that could be a game changer for qualification going on. Um, but if a team were to draw them, it'd probably be Manchester United if they have a good day. Because, like, if Manchester United has a good day, they can contend with Bayern. I think
1: my hot take for this episode: Bayern will have more trouble away in Turkey playing Galatasaray then they will Manchester United in both legs.
0: I think that's yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know who's going to move on other than Bayern. I I have to see how Manchester United looks when it comes to like the the games against like Copenhagen and Galatasaray. How good are they actually going to look?
1: That's a good point. Yeah.
0: Uh nonetheless, let's get into the questions it is questions time, uh um, sir, let's fucking do it, uh, who wants to start what do you think um Yo, I- hold, on, hold on. because we're on oh. camera, we could play rock paper scissors, oh, can we, yeah, I mean oh. i I guess we can, yeah, shit, all right. rock, wait, hold on, hold
1: oh wait, on. Hey, wait. Hey, hey, hey I'm gonna whoa, let you whoa, count whoa. it in.
0: I'm gonna let you count it in, all
1: right, rock, paper, scissor, Shoot. And we're off camera.
0: Fuck. I had scissors, Paper. but uh, okay, okay. you want? All right.
1: Uh, all right, I'll, I'll go first. So okay. here we go. Do you want a Brock Purdy question or a Zach Wilson question? Uh,
0: you know I love Brock Purdy.
1: So I, I can't remember the dude's name, and I couldn't find the video for the life of me. But he was, I mean, going after Brock Purdy after the win versus the Steelers. And you might be saying to yourself, they put up 30. Why would you go after Brock Purdy? Well, he made a pretty good point, and I'm not saying that I agree or disagree. I just want to bring up this point to you. Is Brock Purdy an elite quarterback? No. Or could a quarterback like Garoppolo or Derek Carr or anybody kind of in that realm do the exact same thing that he's doing?
0: Uh, no and no. Brock Purdy is not an elite quarterback, but those two quarterbacks that you just named couldn't do it either. And it's because Brock Purdy has the, the humble, like, you know, he's humble. He doesn't have this crazy ego that makes him want to make these crazy decisions, look flashy on the field, make these big plays. Jimmy Garoppolo wants to show out. Derek Carr wants to make these big, deep passes. Brock Purdy wants to win football games. That seems very apparent. And if you look at the other two guys, they don't have a good history of doing that. <laughs> yep. So, no, he's not an elite quarterback. He's just so good at playing his role, whereas other people in the past, for the 49ers even, mainly Jimmy Garoppolo, aren't good at playing their role because they actually make mistakes. Brock Purdy doesn't make mistakes. It's crazy that, that like I can even come on here and say that with confidence. He doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, I agree. So... Yeah, it's just kind of in short, like, no, he's not an elite quarterback, but I don't think there's a ton of quarterbacks that could do his job.
1: Yeah, I like that answer. It's a good one.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'm going to – yeah, we'll ask you this one. Heading into week two of the NFL season, what player that maybe had a down week last week are you looking forward to seeing bounce back?
1: George Pickens. Yes. That is exactly where my mind went to. You got Deontay Johnson. Oh, that's something we didn't talk about. Yeah. How is it that the NFL gods are going to let my team lose 32-7 and have Cameron Hayward out for eight weeks and Deontay Johnson out for four weeks?
0: Yeah, that fucking sucks.
1: Time to be a Steelers fan. But George Pickens was, you know, obviously I think he was seen on the sideline. I don't know if you saw the video, but I think his lips read, I like it here, but this shit ain't it or something like that. It's not it, George Pickens. And that kind of negative energy, I think, is what he thrives off of, yeah. Grayson. And He's we're dude. gonna see a we're gonna see a different George Pickens against the Browns. He loves the AFC North. He likes being mean. And boy, does he love making crazy catches against the Browns. It's George Pickens, baby.
0: All right. I love that. Love that yep. answer. Um, all right, MLB.
1: Um so it came out earlier this week, and I know I sent it to you that the Angels were, you know, exploring maybe trading Mike Trout. Yeah. Should they?
0: Uh, yeah, I think they should. Uh, me and Why Colin actually talked about this and where we want him to land uh, on Wednesday's oh, episode. Um, so, in my eyes, the Angels can't start a rebuild if Mike Trout is on the books, and he's on the books still 2030. And, you know, you can't start a rebuild without getting rid of Anthony Rendon. There's a, a, and then Shohei Otani as well. Shohei's going to leave in the summer. Mike Trout and Rendon got to get rid of them within the next two years. It's too long to wait before rebuilding such a fucking horrible franchise. The problem is how good is their GM or president of baseball operations going to formulate a trade to get them prospects? Because that is what they need. They don't need immediate talent in the MLB because you can't, Turn them into what you need. They're just going to be what they are. And their track record, they're not going to be what they are. They're going to be worse than what they are. Stop yeah. going out and getting these players that already have multiple years under their belt. Yeah, maybe it's not a gamble when you go and pick these guys up. But if you've got a guy in your farm system that you can just garner and take your time with and and make him be good, that is gives you a world of difference when it comes down to it. Um, you know, the, the trade that I love that, that Colin recommended was the, the Red Sox. Oh, wow. And I, I don't know how possible it is to, to really do what he had said because his reasoning was like he wants Adam Duvall back on the Braves, so he wants them to trade Duvall <laughs> to the Braves for prospects and then package the prospects that we send them and some of their own for Mike Trout.
1: Oh, wow. I, the
0: mastermind, yeah, he, he was thinking. But I, I love the Red Sox one. I think with how the Angels are, they'll probably take two or three, probably three prospects, two major league guys, one pitcher, one outfielder, and I think the the guy that kind of ties it all together is Alex Verdugo. Alex Verdugo will be the big name in the trade. Then they're going to add like a young pitcher, maybe a Brian Bayo, maybe somebody not quite as good that's already in the league. Um, and then just package in uh, a couple of kind of high-up prospects in their farm system.
1: I like it. I like it.
0: All right, my baseball question to you is, what do you consider Garrett Cole's pitching generation? We talk about this a lot, especially with Scherzer, Verlander, and Kershaw, um, but Cole started like five years after all these guys making his debut in 2013. So uh, who are the guys that you kind of group in with Garrett Cole? Oh wow, um, Dylan Cease. I think he's a little too young. Is he too young? I think he made his debut in like 2019, 2020. Dang that that's a that's a really
1: good question. it it is a weird era of pitching. I feel like you yeah. you have a lot of like you know eras in the nineties where it's you know your Clemens and your Pedro Martinez. And then early two thousands with Scherzer and Verlander and those guys. Yeah, Garrett Cole. Like it. It is kind of hard to put a finger on the other guys that are kind of with him. Yeah, because I feel like they're either too old or they're just starting out. They're young.
0: Yeah. Um. I think when I was kind of doing a little bit of research, best guy I could come up with. Uh, Jake Arietta, kind of fit in in that. Um. When he was with the Cubs, like he made his debut in 2010, but like he's already retired. Um yeah. And then uh, <laughs> another one that I was thinking of was uh, Corey Kluber. I think he also kind of fits in that range. He made his debut in but 2011.
1: Even in those two guys, those two guys have not done anything no. near the consistency and the longevity that Garrett Cole's done it. Definitely not you gave me a trick question that was mean
0: no it's just it's just very hard <laughs> to figure out because not a lot of like elite pitchers in the league right now came up at that time it's kind of crazy yeah
1: it's weird yeah maybe is is christian javier too young like framer yeah. valdez yeah, or they're those both, guys they're Both
0: too young um and like hey. shane bieber is probably like on the on the far end of it Shane bieber. probably too young yeah. he debuted in 2018 that's five years after Cole, so. Wow. It, it's tough. Hmm. Uh, like, I, I sat here and thought about this because this one came directly from Reddit. Um, okay. And, and I sat here and thought about it. Could not come up with a single thing. A couple of people had said Kluber um, in the comments, but, yeah, like, I, I, I can't think of, like, high-level pitchers that came out at that same time. Like, maybe Trevor Bauer? Yeah, oh,
1: they went to college together. Yeah, UCLA.
0: Yeah, he made his debut just a year before, so I think Trevor see, Bauer is this
1: generation. I mean, although Trevor Bowers killing it in Japan, he's in Japan. Yeah. He's not even in the MLB with Garrett Cole, so even yeah. that's kind of like a weird answer to give. Yeah, it's crazy. That was a good one. I, yeah,
0: like I, I genuinely <laughs> was like mind blown by this question because I was like, I yeah. feel like I should have an answer for this.
1: Yeah, Trevor Bauer would, I guess, have to be the closest one, though, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I feel like.
1: Anyway, okay. I I need you to, like, really close your eyes and picture this next question, because when I heard it, my my brain almost exploded. All right. Okay, this is a soccer question. So... The location of the World Cup obviously matters because the one in Russia was such a dud. The one in Qatar had just so much controversy, so much bullshit surrounding it. 2014 Brazil, 2010 South Africa. The culture around those World Cups, just based off of the location, it was held, Just immensely elevated, you know, all the competition, all the atmosphere, right? What if, (coughs) excuse me, I'm... This is a good He's question, dying. Dude. I'm <laughs> dying. Put the World Cup in the Caribbean and have an island-hopping World Cup. What do you think about that?
0: <laughs> That's my question. I like it. I don't know the logistics of it. Oh, these countries would be crippled trying to so build these things. <laughs> so all of those yeah. countries are so poor. <clears throat> yeah,
1: yeah. That would be it, the hard were, part. It would be a lot to figure out. And, of course, you could have more games in, like, some of the more developed countries. Yeah. But I, I, to your point, it would be very hard to
0: do. Dude, trust me. It takes some fucking money to do that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It, not, yeah. not just, like, to, to build all the stadiums and get all the infrastructure. To pay off all the FIFA people that you have to do to get <laughs> you to pass through that costs yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. I, I think i like um i like what the women's world cup did australia new zealand i think that would That's be pretty, super cool
1: yeah i like that idea too
0: yeah or one uh, more on like eastern asia i think japan would be pretty cool um yeah i think japan south korea yeah you could put them together for sure but i i think japan probably has enough pull itself um, Very true. I'm gonna just kind of turn your own question back on you. What do you th- how how are how do you think the United States or North America, because I think there is games in Canada and Mexico, how do you think that's gonna compare to my personal favorite World Cup, the 2014 one in Brazil?
1: Um it won't because okay. that's my personal favorite cool. as well. But we're you know, I feel like with how America is, you know, just this melting pot of culture, I think it's gonna be pretty insanely good. Um, as far as yeah. the atmosphere and everything and our stadiums, you know, sorry, not sorry to the rest of the world. Our stadiums are so much cooler than y'all. Yeah. It's not even funny. Facts. <laughs> like Minnesota stadium is shaped like that. Yeah. U S bank stadium is shaped like that. And Mercedes Benz like opens up like a rose and it's all like so cool, dude. We, we have the coolest stadiums. Um, like I said, we have a melting pot of people. There's already a lot of fans of these teams that are going to be here, yeah. right? Um, I feel like maybe you could make the argument America is a lot easier to travel into, with, you know, all of our international yeah. airports and everything. So maybe there would be more of a draw, like more people would come. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited, but it won't. Nothing will compare to that 2014 World oh, Cup, man.
0: It was fucking amazing. Not just the soccer, just the whole thing. Yeah, the music. Yeah,
1: the, yeah, everything.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I, I think because <laughs> okay. American culture is very popular, that's gonna help. Like that's gonna draw people in. Like promotionally, American culture is super well known. The music, the art, like all that kind of stuff, yep. is the, the kind of the world leader. So, I think that's definitely gonna draw in a crowd. I think just the fact that it's in America draws in a crowd because yeah, soccer, we haven't been dominant, but everybody knows about us. Everybody knows about the sports culture. Everybody knows about these big stadiums that we play in and that the U.S. is an emerging emerging team in world soccer. I think that yeah. brings a draw to it, unlike some of the others. Like, dude, Qatar, fucking bullshit. We all knew that. Russia? Yeah. Also pretty bullshit. Yep. But Brazil is, like, one of the 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 homelands of, like, the the newest era of soccer and what we know it as, like it's it soccer is, heaven. Yeah, it is genuinely like a piece of the history of the game. And, yes. and South Africa was such an interesting one because it's a storied history of a very bad connection to European countries, which are uh, you know a big part of the World Cup every single time. Like yes. that created this interesting storyline. When it comes to America, I think people are going to be mad that it's here. As in, some of the European teams that are like, why should we be respecting America or whatever? But we did the same thing to Qatar, and it was still a, a pretty big success.
1: Oh, yeah. um, And we didn't even talk about this. What about, like, Mexico games in Mexico? Yeah. Or the World Cup. Oh, my Insane. God. It's gonna Insane. It's going
0: to be crazy. The Est- The Estadio Azteca. Is genuinely yes. the one of the coolest places ever. Yeah, I, I think you've been there, haven't you? Seen I haven't. It? I haven't been in the stadium. I've been to Mexico City.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I can That's agree. Cool. The pollution and altitude combination fucking sucks.
1: It, does. It actually affect you over there? Yes. No way. Yeah. So it doesn't just look like a haze. Like it no. actually.
0: It Describe is literally them. it is literally a city encased by mountains, full of industry and and cars yeah. and and just so much pollution, but it can't go anywhere. <laughs> it, it is yeah. so bad and then it's also at a high altitude.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, mm. it is
0: brutal. A super uh, beautiful place. Crazy crazy place to go to. I I urge you to go get protection, just put that out there. You're going to want protection. Some not good people there. (laughs) I didn't realize that when I was in seventh grade and went. Looking back on it, the people that were our tour guides uh, that drove us around every single place and we didn't leave the hotel without them, pretty obvious what they were doing. Nonetheless, (laughs) back to soccer. I still got to ask you your soccer question.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: Is Everton actually going to be relegated? Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah, that would I think be, they're that bad. As of right now, they're one of six teams to never be relegated in Premier League. You know, history.
1: I think I remember reading that. Um, well, Everton fans, I hate to break it to you, but uh, I believe your time is now.
0: <laughs> yeah, they fucking suck. Um, they are so they bad. Believe. The only, the only thing helping them is that Burnley, Luton, and Sheffield United fucking suck and might just go all back down.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Everton's games have looked like a uh, 1-0 loss to Fulham, a 4-0 loss to Aston Villa, a 1-0 loss to Wolves. They didn't even score in their first three games. Yeah. And then they have a 2-2 draw versus Sheffield United. They haven't even played anybody hard yet, no. Grayson. <laughs>
0: It's unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a bad one. Uh, But I got something special for you. I put together two sports for this question. I shouldn't say I. Another Reddit question I found. And um, I think this is going to be an interesting discussion. Um, Which individual season is greater? 2021 Shohei Otani or 2011-2012 Lionel Messi? And I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out the stats for you. So uh, I'm on Shohei Otani's baseball reference. Batting stats in 2021. Slash line, a 257 batting average, 372 on base, 592 slugging, 965 OPS. He had a hundred and fifty seven OPS plus, three hundred and eighteen total bases. He hit 46 home runs. He led the league in triples with eight. He hit twenty six doubles, he had a hundred RBIs and twenty six stolen bases. Pitching, okay. pitching wise, he was nine for two on the mound, uh, a three point one eight ERA in twenty three starts, a hundred and thirty innings pitched, only gave up forty eight runs, um, only fifteen homers, forty four walks, and a uh, hundred and fifty six strikeouts and had an ERA plus of 141, a whip of 1.090. So he played well. He played fantastic on both sides of the (laughs) ball. Okay. 2011-2012, Lionel Messi. In all competitions uh, at the club level, he scored 73 goals in 60 games. He also had yeah. 30 assists. Thank God. That's 103 goals and assists. And that is the most, with 73, the most goals scored in a single season by any player ever. Yeah. Yeah, The uh, that crushing the best all-time by uh, Gerd Muller uh, with 67. Beat it by six.
1: Did uh did Messi win any trophies that year? Or are we are we not talking about trophies? We're guys? not
0: talking about trophies. We're talking okay. about individual performance.
1: See, but Shohei has it on both sides of the ball in his yeah. sport. But I didn't hear you say first ever with Shohei. I I did hear you say that with Messi.
0: Okay, there was Messi. a lot of there was a lot of first ever's for Shohei. I didn't feel like looking all of them up.
1: Okay. There were just (laughs) too (laughs) many. I was just reading
0: off the baseball reference for Shohei. um, And then I was just reading off what I looked up for Messi. Uh,
1: Maybe I still go Messi because I feel like he is like an alien with all those stats. Shohei might be the first ever, like you said, with a lot of those as well. But you have players that have played previously that I feel like have been in the ballpark of Shohei like Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah kind of. Kind. Well, it's a stretch. A lot of people don't even think Babe Ruth is real. Well, also
0: but- back in the day they used to count ground rule doubles as home runs. Oh, for his enti- almost I I think his entire career. Oh man. You, you I just I had to put that out there. It's my favorite thing to say. My brain is shattered right
1: now. Yeah. I I don't know what to think of this question. Like I I, I don't it's know. Tough. I
0: I genuinely I found this question uh probably like 12 hours ago. I don't have an answer. <laughs> 12 <laughs> hours of thought.
1: Um No, I, I don't have one. I mean, they're both. Yeah, it, it's it's so, so hard nominated. to
0: compare. Yeah. But it's messy. All right. Um. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that does it for us. A fantastic episode. Um, it looked like your camera held up for a decent amount of the episode. A little, a little glitchy there at the end. But, yeah, uh, come on. We got it. We nothing got it. wrong. Hey, look. That was a flu game for you. I wouldn't say you put up 45 like Jordan, but still a fantastic <laughs> performance out of you, look. Do me nice, do me <laughs> nice. And considering it is 12:15 at night, um I think a, a, a com- we can commend both of us for our performances here. Uh, but I can also commend you guys for watching, listening, um if you're on YouTube liking, subscribing, commenting. Um yeah, I'm, I'm super glad that we're putting these out uh, in video form now on YouTube. I think it creates such a better connection between me and you. You right there. Creates a great connection between the two of us. Uh, the three of us, actually. Because you're sitting here listening to this conversation with me and Luke or me and Colin. And um, yeah, uh little housekeeping. Colin won't be here next week. So we've got two episodes. Two episodes with Luke which now I'm realizing we could have pushed off the Champions League previews to next week. Nonetheless, um, we're still going to do some college football talk, uh, whether Luke wants to watch it or not. So (laughs) (laughs) um, we'll definitely be talking college football uh, on Wednesday's episode next week and kind of just your regularly scheduled program. But Luke's just going to slide right in. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of soccer.
1: Oh, yeah, let's do it. We could do a a recap of the Premier League. Yeah,
0: well – it, it, I don't know if you watched Wednesday's episode, of me and Colin, but we took an hour and 30 minutes on the NFL recap. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we're, we're, re-formatting that. About- we're, we, <laughs> so the idea was that we talked through all of the games and then that turned into going in depth. Cause it was supposed to be like in depth on like three or four. And then we just ended yeah. up going in depth on every single game.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: So um, for for you guys' sake, we will try not to do that again um, because listening to a two-hour and 45-minute podcast of two annoying white guys yelling at you about sports isn't that fun. But yeah. you guys keep coming back for more. We're going to keep giving it to you. So make sure you guys, like I said, like, subscribe, comment on YouTube, go over to the podcast platform, follow, leave us a rating, five stars on Apple and Spotify, and then – Head over to our Linktree link. It's on all of our socials, on the YouTube, it's everywhere. It's on our Instagrams, our personal Instagrams, everything. You can find that Linktree if you really tried. Actually, you don't even have to try that hard to find that Linktree. But that's going to show you everything we've got Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and so forth. Um, and then make sure you join the subreddit as well. Like we've said, we'd love for our questions to come from Reddit, but for now, we'll keep writing them ourselves. Um yes. and uh yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Luke, anything for the people? Texas is back. Texas agree is with fucking Colin. back. All right, guys. I... We'll see you all next week. Big weekend in the NFL. College football fucking sucks this weekend, but we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. <laughs>